Welcome to All the Things with Monique Dusan from the Center for Biblical Unity and theology mom, Krista Bontrager. And now, here's Krista and Monique. Yay! Hello, happy Saturday, and welcome to All the Things. I am Monique Dusan. And I am Krista Bontrager, also known as Theology Mom. Glad you're still known as Theology Mom. This is the show where we talk about all things related to God, life, and the Bible. And helping us out on the show today is Bob Bontrager, as always. He's a little, living in little green screen action. Land. Yeah. There's that. <laughs> yes, yes. And thank you for joining us. Please join us in the chat box on YouTube. And we are also streaming live on Facebook on the Center for Biblical Unity Facebook page and the Theology Mom Facebook page. Yes. Yes. And our chat moderators tonight are Jeremy Webb. I see Laura Hartley is in there. Allison's in there. And I think Alicia is going to jump on there as well as our other chat moderators. Hey, so people. Everyone, behave yourself. Okay. Don't play no games. They will kick you out. <laughs> they will throw you out. Ain't nobody got time. Yeah. Okay. So what have you been up to? Been kind of slow who me yeah oh no it has not been slow at all y'all i'm tired for real <laughs> i am i am tired it's been busy yeah um seminary's been extra lively and so there's that i'm in week seven just made week seven and then yesterday and today i did two talks at um southern evangelical seminary y'all i don't know the difference between We've been practicing we have, all week saying yes that. Is it Southern or Southeastern? Don't confuse the two because that's offensive. So, <laughs> yeah, yes, at Southern Evangelical, um, I did two talks. I did one on racial reconciliation, which we're talking about today. And then yeah. an, the other one I did was on personal righteousness. And so looking at the story of Boaz in the book of Ruth and his stand for personal righteousness and what that looked like yeah. in relation to justice. Yeah. yeah, kind of walking people through the the beginning theology of, of justice. So it's a great yeah. talk. Um, this show is brought to you by the Center for Biblical Unity. Yes, it is. You can go get your merch. Yes. Just go to centerforbiblicalunity.com backslash merch. I reworked the merch page this week so you can see everything all on one page now. It's kind of cool. Yes, so. yes. I love it. I really love it. And uh, also sponsored by Theology Mom Podcast, which I did do a new podcast this week, and Family 210 Clothing. Yes. Get your shirts, folks. Get your shirts. And your mug. Yes, and your mug. Oh, Justin had a, a new a new picture uh, this morning. He got a haircut. He was all fancy. Yes, he I was. I was like, well, go ahead then. Go ahead. All right. So. Yes. What are we doing today? I don't know. Me either. Y'all, <laughs> so, this, this is the fruit of not having any time this week. No, well, I, you know what? I'm sorry. I didn't even ask you. What's going on in your world? We just talked about me and kept on going. No. <laughs> what's going on? Hi. Uh, well. You also spoke at SES. Don't be shy. Yeah, I, I did a little talk for, for my employer. And um, I, uh, I don't know. It's just been a busy, busy week. We're onboarding a lot of volunteers right now. Really super grateful for all the people that are kind of stepping up to help us. We've been trying to, I'm trying to assemble a web team and a social media team. So, hey, if y'all have skills on Twitter, 
We are looking for somebody with a vision to use Twitter, someone who knows the language of Twitter to engage in some, some great evangelism and ministry over on that platform. So if you're the kind of person that, uh, that is competent in Twitter, uh, reach out and apply because <laughs> we need some people. If you have graphic design skills, we need more graphic artists um, for sure. So uh, just go to centerforbiblicalunity.com slash volunteer. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, now Jeremy Webb. Now I'm not I'm not familiar with Batman and Robin, but this it sounds hilarious. Um, he said, so if Chris and Monique are Batman and Robin, who is Bob? Alfred? <laughs> that just sounds hilarious. He's the he's the butler. <laughs> it's on YouTube. It's on YouTube. That's great. Jeremy be coming through with some funny stuff, boy. I tell but you. But he's a big movie fan. He says he used to spend all his Saturday nights watching movies. But Man. yeah. All right. All right. That's great. People I checking like, in. Missoula. Not sure who picks your opening music, but my four-year-old loves it. Yes. <laughs> yes. YouTube, YouTube Music Library. There it is. Yes. I really appreciate um, the Center for Biblical Unity music as well. It has a little like gospel feel to That's it. That's right. All right. Okay. Hello from Portland. What's up? Hey, Betsy. Hey, Hannah. PDX. Lori, Renee, Diane. Hey, yes. Y'all just coming through. Oh, Cincinnati. I don't know with my Facebook. It's not, it's okay. not refreshing. All right. So let's get into it here. Let's do it. Okay. So this week you gave a brand new talk at the National Apologetics Conference, which is uh, connected to Southern Evangelical Seminary. Yes. It's and, the, I heard that it was one of the biggest apologetics conferences in the nation. I would say it's probably the biggest. Yeah. I had no clue. When they were like, would you like to give a talk on me? Sure. Who are you? <laughs> I don't know who you are. <laughs> so this is, I love being so new to all these things because I don't know who you are. <laughs> so uh, you did a brand new talk. It was on racial reconciliation. It's called Reconciling. The Reconciled. The Reconciled. So this is kind of an extension of a conversation that you and I have been having on the question, is racial reconciliation even a thing? Yes. And so I just thought maybe we could step through some of that. So I'm going to kind of ask you some questions and then we'll sort of you work You asking me? I've been in yeah. seminary 21 minutes. <laughs> it was 27 <laughs> earlier we'll, we'll this week, talk but about I feel it like, together, but... you know, I didn't have to come back a little bit and relearn some things. So I remember early on when you came, one of the earlier conversations we had was on the term racial reconciliation. And I, I think I probably asked you, uh, what is you that? You asked me a lot of questions. <laughs> it worked my nerve. She what? would ask me all kind of stuff. I'm like, I, who am I? Why I got to have all the, all the answers? What am I, Google? But, you used that, to ask yes, me that. That, that was so, my, my go-to question. But I think I what I asked you was, uh, what is racial reconciliation? Mm -hmm. And how would I know that it's been accomplished? Ugh, like that was the question. What what is racial reconciliation? And how do you define it scripturally? Where can you show me? Can you point to a passage in the Bible that shows or tells me that I should be doing racial reconciliation? And how would I know when I get there? Those are my three basic questions. For everything. For everything. Yes. Yeah. What is it? Where do I find it in the Bible? And how do I know I've arrived there? Yes. <laughs> My answer was usually some form of a swear word, people. I've come a long way. I have come a long way. And so uh, I don't know if you said that I was a racist, but you might have thought that. 
Yeah, it went something <laughs> like that. That's racist. That's a racist question. Just, Only, just asking the question was yeah, racist. Like, why wouldn't you want? Because my definition. So, so what bring was you, your, yeah, my what definition was, your was having all the people at the table, like all of the ethnicities being at the orthodox, orthodoxically pure table. So that as long as um, you, you know, you, everyone that was a part of your definition. Uh, let's tell. We're telling the truth on this show. That <laughs> wasn't part of it. <laughs> Your definition of racial reconciliation was, was we have was what was we have all the people at the table. Okay, where is this table and who are the people? The people and were then, all the ethnicities. Yeah, and then I said, okay, so what is this table? What what does that even mean? And you're like, well, they're just all there. Everyone has a voice. I said, well, who's everyone? Well, you know, like, and what are the criteria for being at the table? Do you see and- why she worked my nerve? <laughs> it was like the last nerve I had, too. Because we would have these conversations on our early morning walks at like six in the morning. Don't nobody want to talk about this at six in the morning. <laughs> but yes. So I had a very vague definition of racial reconciliation, but I was very big on it because I learned it in undergrad that we should do racial reconciliation. We should reconcile all the races and that's that's kind of where I stumbled yeah. across this. But it, like in fairness, no one explained to me. Nobody sat me down in my little class and was like, hey, this is the definition of racial reconciliation. But everybody, but everybody talks uses about this it. term. Yes. And, and we and just I think I assume that I knew what people meant and they assume they knew what I meant. And, and it's just, a virtuous thing. Yes. And we should do it. Everybody should be rate rate. Reconciling the races. Sure. And so we even had a call from uh, uh a pastor. associate pastor at a very large mega church. And he, he says, well, I'm on this committee. The church has formed a committee on racial reconciliation. So we listened to him talk for like 15 mm-hmm. minutes. And then I asked him, I said, okay, well, that's great. Like, can you tell me your definition of racial reconciliation? Oh, he was so irritated. And he, there was a long pause. <laughs> Well, I don't think we've really discussed that. That would be a good. I said, well, that might be an item item for your agenda uh, for as a team. And I said, well, what are your goals? What what would be your outcomes? How would you know in your church that you have engaged in a successful enterprise of racial reconciliation? Well, he didn't know that either. And and then we got into the the question of, well, what is your biblical warrant? And that was a little sketchy. It was. The usual passage. Yes. Second Corinthians five. five eight. Yes. Yeah. So let's dig yeah. into that. Um, now, one of the things that when I was when I was strong on racial reconciliation, the verse that was always put up was Second Corinthians five eighteen. The whole you have been given the ministry of racial reconciliation. But there is no racial in that passage. It's so, you've been given the ministry of reconciliation. We have it up on the screen. Let's, yeah, so no, let's start with verse 10, I think. Okay, because we're starting with verse 10 because we need to get the context of what is actually and, being talked about. And this is so important because there's this annoying paragraph break there. Mm-hmm. And it actually, you need verse 10 yes. to understand what the meaning is yes. of reconciliation, but it's almost never included mm-hmm. in the reading. So yes. we're going to just kind of work our way through it tonight and look at the context, because this is the seminal passage that if you talk to people about racial reconciliation, they're going to bring up. It's usually in parentheses. Mm-hmm. They'll just say 2 Corinthians 5.18. 
They don't quote it. Or if they do, all they say is, he has given us the ministry of reconciliation and then they move on. Yes. And so it's like, we're going to, we're going to stop. We're going to do what we talked about a few weeks ago. Yes. We're going to look at the context and we're going to see what God's definitions are Mm -hmm. for things. Okay. So walk us through this. We're going to start in verse 10. So y'all get your Bibles because after this, we're going to go to Ephesians too. Yes. All right. So it says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things for the, yeah, for the things while for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Since we, since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. Now they know what it is to fear the Lord because they know that they are going to experience, like everyone's going to come before judgment. Right. What we are is plain to God. And I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. So what's Paul saying here? What is your kind of your understanding of what he's saying? He's like, look, I know what time it is. Like there are some people who are talking some mess and you know my heart. So I am trying to help you along in in your answer to these people in your, in your answer when they come along and they want to glory in their works and in the, or the, bad mouth me. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, they, they are commending their gods or commending their, the law over Christ. This is what you get to reply with. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay. totally. Verse 13, we're going to pick it up. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So notice the gospel focus. Like Mm -hmm. we're talking about the death, the resurrection of Jesus and that that the love of Christ is what compels us in this in this message. And I'm compelled because I know what the fear of the Lord is, because we are all going to face judgment for the things that we did, whether good or bad, there as it, it says in verse 10. OK, all right, okay. let's keep going. Let's keep 16. going. Uh, 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, this, these are my favorite verses here. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, um, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All All So, so let's just pause there because we have on one side of the ledger, worldly point of view, Mm -hmm. old old things mm-hmm. and we up- don't regard anyone from this point of view anymore I- anymore because because on the other side of the ledger we have newness mm-hmm. in christ we got to get our categories straight yeah and what paul is saying is once you are in christ you are new and we don't regard each other in the old things the old identities that is a worldly way of thinking mm-hmm Yes, that that we need to 
contemplate that a little bit in yeah. this cultural moment. Yes, because <laughs> the way that we address now, again, I say it many times, culture is going to do what culture wants to do. But when I step into the church, I should not be regarded. When I'm interacting with another Christian, I should not be regarded according to my sins, according to the ways that I used to behave because of the transforming work of Christ that's at work within me. So like, if I'm like, a, if I if I'm in prison and I'm a murderer, once I am in Christ, being a murderer is not my identity. Yes. I am in Christ. I am a child. I am forgiven. I am sanctified. I am holy. I am a brother or a sister. I am not a murderer. I don't and I ought not to be regarded from a worldly point of view. So I'm not regarded by my sin. I'm not regarded by my skin color, my national origin, my occupation. These are all. Uh, and we're going to get to that. That's yeah. more along the lines of in Ephesians. But okay. yes, what you are talking about is true. These, the, the things that people were regarding each other um, as was according to their old ways of life. And right. so Paul says, and it's funny because I have heard many a pastor speak on second Corinthians five seventeen, but I have never heard anybody speak on um, five sixteen. Yeah. You know, like we no longer regard each other according to this old worldly mentality. You know, these are the things that I did wrong. And yes, I might even have to suffer the consequences of my own choices. Sure. And my identity is no longer in these things. My Because I have now chosen to live my life according to the ways of the believer, I am in Christ. My identity is in Christ. Okay. All right. So let's keep going here. Now we're getting to the heart of the matter in verse 18. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, what is the ministry of reconciliation? But, I, but all they do is quote that one phrase. Yeah. Now, there it is. Yeah. Now, if we if we would just not stop, because it's not technically a period there. Yeah. It's a colon. Yeah. So we just got to keep on going. Just <laughs> keep on move your eyes over just a little bit more. <laughs> that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of rush of re the message of reconciliation. So we have a ministry of reconciliation. We have a message of reconciliation. What is that? Let's keep going. Yes. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. What are you imploring them to do? Here's the, here's the key right here. Okay. What is, what's the imploring message? Be reconciled to God. Yeah. Period. Okay, so what is this That's message? That's the command. Yes. That, that is the command. Yes, that is the message that yeah. we are to um, implore people with. To be compelled by love. Yes. To teach. Because we know what it is to fear the Lord, because we know of the judgment that is also coming. We know we that this is- got to go back to verse yes, 10. Yes, It's a whole unit. Yes. It's a big chunk. You got to take it in chunk. You have, yeah. and this is why it's important to look at scripture in context and not just take one single verse- Or to, phrase. Or, yeah. Yeah. Or just two words to build your entire framework right. yeah. on, because a lot of times you'll then be advocating, and I was in air doing this, advocating for something that- in my personal opinion now, after looking at this, you know, in more detail, I don't think it's really what people are really saying it's supposed to be. So 
All right, let's go to the end, the end verse. There's one more verse we didn't read. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. There it is. Yeah, that's it. So and- when we look at this, then what I think of is the obvious question is what kind of reconciliation is in view here? Yes. Is it racial reconciliation? Has God given us the message and the ministry of racial reconciliation. Not in 2 Corinthians 5.18, he hasn't. Now, we might look through Genesis to Revelations and find it somewhere. I, I, haven't, done, I haven't had that experience. But, if but you, in the woke church book, when we went through the woke church thing, this was his solitary verse yes. for that. Yes. And it was just in parentheses. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even quoted. Yeah. And so, then he built the whole framework Yes. On top of that. Yes. And when we look, this is why, why we're saying taken in context. When we look at 2 Corinthians 5, 18, the ministry of reconciliation is to implore people to come back to, to into right relationship with with God, that that a way has been made through Jesus that we can have relationship with a holy God. So the primary relationship that we're talking about here is the vertical relationship yes. between sinful humans, holy God. How do I get into a covenant relationship with the Father? It's through Christ. And the call to me as an ambassador is to be that minister of reconciliation, to to bring the message of reconciliation, be reconciled. Yes. Just as I have been reconciled because we know on that last day, Judgment is coming. Mm-hmm. That is what this passage is talking about. Yes. Now, if I want to talk about unity in the body, what do you think would be a better passage to go to? Ephesians. Okay. So let's walk through that a little bit because our big question tonight is Is racial reconciliation a thing? We're trying to get to an understanding, a definition a biblical warrant and outcomes. Mm-hmm. This is, this is our big lofty goal for this conversation. Yeah. But second Corinthians five, awesome passage. I yeah. love it mm-hmm. that we can come into peace with a holy God, but that's not going to be able to do the heavy lifting of racial reconciliation. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I mean, I love to me, my, my favorite, my favorite verse in that passage is 516 where we regard no one like again from a worldly perspective or from their that previous perspective of how they used to live yeah and so i mean to me that even makes me think about how we in the church are regarding one another in regards to race issues yeah how do i as a black woman regard you as a white woman you know am i regarding you as now an oppressor or the oppressive class or you know like what am i as fragile as you know privileged whatever if we're not regarding each other as according to these worldly constructs or these man-made ways what does that say for how we should be participating with one another within the church Mm, that's good so yes so in that sense that would be the component of the horizontal relationship of not regarding one another in that worldly point of view. Mm -hmm. We regard each other through the lens of the horizontal relationship Mm -hmm. or the vertical relationship. Yes, vertical. I can't tell you vertical and horizontal. I see you through the lens of you're my sister in Christ. And you see me through that lens. 
because of the blood of Jesus, because we are both reconciled to God. And yes, so, and that, but that's Ephesians too. Like, all right, well, let's get like, to that. Let's let's get into that. Bob's got that for us as well. So Ephesians one is such an awesome mm-hmm. set of verses about our salvation and what each member of the Trinity does in our salvation. Chapter two of Ephesians is kind of rolling things back a little bit and looking at the non-Christian. And it talks about how non-Christians are um, taken away by the, the, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit of the age, you know, that they're disobedient and gratifying the cravings of their flesh. Now, when we go down a little bit in Ephesians chapter two, we're going to scroll down here a little bit. It's talking about our salvation by grace. We've been saved. This, this famous passage uh, through faith, this is a gift, not of yourselves. No one can boast. Okay, so let's keep going here. Then we get to this passage that is so important. So maybe start reading through it for us in verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Jesus Christ, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And let's, let me see. Do you want to stop there? Or keep going a little yeah, bit. No, keep going. That's good. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh, the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near for though, I'm sorry, through through him, we both have access to the father by one spirit. Consequently, we, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone in him. The whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Very good. I lo- that's one of my all-time favorite passages. So let's bring let's, it home, Batman. Bring it home. So <laughs> I think I'm Robin. Uh, so let's go back to it a minute here and start back at verse 11. If we could scroll back, mm-hmm. scroll down a little bit. Um, so therefore, remember that you who were Gentiles, you were uncircumcised. So one side of the ledger is Gentiles, mm-hmm. uncircumcised, mm-hmm. foreigners to the covenant. Yes far away mm-hmm. on the other side of the ledger that's people god's we have circumcised mm-hmm. we have the jews we yes. have um you know on on the gentile side they were excluded from citizenship in in israel foreigners to the covenant this side of the ledger jews had the covenants they had yes. the promises um on, they were near they were near yes um on the gentile side they were without hope and without god But what's beautiful about this passage is that in Christ, through his death, God brings these two groups together to become one new humanity. 
And this is so interesting because I think in our culture, we are so obsessed with race. Mm -hmm. I mean, we are so obsessed with melanin. But it's everywhere. It's I mean, everywhere. It's, it's presented to us everywhere. I don't yeah. know that it is like, oh, we just are naturally obsessed with it. I think we are presented with it everywhere. It's and it's programming. It's, yeah, that, yeah, that's the word I'm looking Social for. Social programming and conditioning. But what's interesting to me is from a biblical standpoint, the only two groups that are in view here are those who were far from the covenant and those who were near to the covenant. Mm -hmm. Those who were far from the promises of God and those who were near the promises of God. Mm -hmm. And out of these two groups, he builds one new humanity. It's, yeah. it, it's this miraculous thing that God the Father does through the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is everything that the apostles and the prophets told us about. And now there's peace. He broke down this dividing wall. So whatever was dividing them, these two groups, um, through practices, through culture, through language, through oppressed and oppressor relationships, all of that goes away. Because in Christ, yes. we now have a new identity. Yes. So that vertical relationship now redefines all the horizontal relationships. Yes. And that's really explained in chapter one. Yeah. When we go back, y'all should go back to chapter one, where it talks about our adoption to sonship. Yes. This, this is where it breaks down our relationship. We don't. And I hope I'm not skipping too far ahead, but the the vertical relationship breaks down all the barriers and creates a different horizontal relationship. We are now adopted. Once we have that vertical relationship, we are now adopted into the family of God. And so our horizontal relationship no longer is as oppressed oppressor. It no longer is as slave and master. It's no longer as, you know, all of these, these man-made constructs and words that we've defined each other by, but it's as brothers and sisters. Yeah. All right, let's go out to some comments here. Some really good comments and engagement that people are bringing forward. Um, YouTube? Yeah, on YouTube. Um, let's go all the way up to, let's keep, let's go all the way up. Keep scrolling, keep going, keep going. I want to go to, keep going. All right, right there. Let's start with Jeremy's comment. He says, I'm a member of a, a church that's very multi-ethnic from my observation the Holy Spirit brought people together. It didn't happen through a church program. Anyone else have a similar experience? You better come on, Jeremy. Because that's that's really the, it, this, the, the organic nature of a true multi-ethnic church. You don't have to jimmy that up. Because you know what? Here's the thing. And I, I, I said this in the talk um, that when we think about when we think about oh, let me give a story first. When we, I came across a ministry and on their page, they had this huge thing for racial reconciliation and all this. And they was like, we've been doing it for 30 years and we still have so far to go. I said, what the good, <laughs> what, what, the, what you've been doing it for 30 years and you still haven't accomplished it. You ain't got to work on reconciliation like a marriage y'all. Like this isn't about it's, it's not a mortgage. How long do you have to be doing it in order to accomplish it? I would have quit. I'd have been like, oh, not well, possible. Nope. Not for me. 
But this is the thing. It's like when we are trying to do this by the works of our own hands, it's always going to be insatiable and it's never going to be able to be quantified. Yeah. It's, it's always going to be this. Well, we you need to do a little bit more. We're always going to be working so hard to get what God has already given. We're gonna, working to do what he's already done. Yeah. It's not Jeremy's right. It's not going to come through the works of our hands. Now I can participate, but I can't be completely responsible for reconciliation. If like, if, does that make sense? Oh yeah. I mean, if we have the gospel, right. If the gospel ain't enough and, and we're, we're not properly explaining to people. I've told you this from the beginning. I think that a lot of the race conversation really should be a conversation about identity mm. and that people don't know who they are. We, we need to know who we are and we are engaging in all this, like, I'm going to just say it, demonic identity theft, where we're telling people, I say something else. That's not you bad. know, f- these fake identities where we're, we're getting ripped off. Mm-hmm. Our, our real identity is in Christ. If, if the gospel is God's answers are very simple. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't mean it's always easy to leave behind our cultural identities. Yes. There's a difference between simple and easy. God's answer to to race issues, class issues and divisions is very simple. It's the gospel. Now, the hard part <laughs> is for us in our sinful nature to Can we just act right? To to set those identities behind. Mm. That the, the, those things are in second place now. Yes. You know, my my whatever Ethnic mm-hmm. nationalism I might enjoy yes. because I enjoy my Dutch heritage. That's in second place. Mm-hmm. Whatever national heritage I might enjoy because I'm a good flag waving girl as an American. That's in the back seat. Yes. Nationalism must take second seat to kingdom. Yeah. Traditionalism must take second seat to kingdom. Yeah. Skin and, color. Yes. Must take second seat to kingdom. Yeah. And we don't need we don't need another racial reconciliation program. Can we just talk about scripture? Can we talk about unity? Can we talk about identity? How do, identity. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. That's that's what it is. OK, let's do a couple more um, comments here. Uh, let's scroll down. I want to do. Um, Let's see. Let's see. Let's scroll down to Allison's observation. She says, "Terrence Williams in here is talking about Q to Hammond B three. <laughs> yes, that's what we is. really need to work on that Hammond we sound do. effect. We do. Terrence, sorry, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. Yeah, but that no, was all right. One. All right, keep going down, Bob. Allison says, like you said, the word racial isn't right there." isn't even paired with reconciliation anywhere in the passage. And I think that we can't emphasize that enough because um, I think that's read into the passage. I, I'm just going to go out, put it out there. I, 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 I don't see racial reconciliation. It's nowhere uh, in that verse. It's, it's not in the verse. It's, I mean, even uh, you can turn I, it around any kind of way. Looking in the Greek isn't going to help you. Yes. <laughs> it's not, yes. It's just not there. It's only talking about the vertical. It, it's not even necessarily talking about our our participation with one another. Yes, yeah. it says that we don't regard one another. Yeah. But that verse is talking about being reconciled to a holy God. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's keep going here in the. Uh... Janie. Uh. Janie Griffin, 
Oh, she, she asking for us to do big things. She said the other the is, other is, is on Micah uh-huh, <laughs> on the CFBU Facebook. She said the other is Micah six eight. Also taken out of context. Can you give an easy nugget of truth to help with that? I'm gonna leave that in your camp. I think we should do a whole show on Micah, Micah six eight. eight. That verse drives me insane. The way that it's the Ooh. whipping boy of of social justice man when i first came home from south africa i was all i'm still all about justice and i feel like i am freer to do justice now out of crt than i ever was in crt but that was my verse krista be like well how are you defining justice micah six eight well what about social programs micah six eight and then then i would say what about this there's no definition there micah six eight everything was micah six (laughs) eight And the, and the Good Samaritan. Yes. And the old and the Good Samaritan. Y'all, I was... I know she had to think I was barely saved. Don't trip. Uh, okay. Okay, let's keep going. Yeah. Um, oh, no. wait. So, hold on. How do I... Reg- or even... How, Pastor Ronson, I'm trying to to bring this back into the context of what we were discussing, but I could be, I'm a little confused. It says, how do I regard this person sitting next to me who used to have a problem with my ethnicity? Sitting, I think that's a big one. I think that, that it is true. Like we, like, can you imagine what it was like for Matthew, the tax collector to sit next to the zealot? Or, you know, like the Roman guard, like, <laughs> But this is what this is what scripture did. This is what Jesus did when he brought people together. It was like this this way is no longer the way that we regard one another. You are now a new creation. You are in Christ. You have come into the kingdom. You are now brothers and sisters. This is why Philemon, when um when Paul wrote to Philemon, he was like you should regard Onesimus as your brother because these distinctions no longer um are are real so to speak within the kingdom because we have a new identity and this is what we should be focusing on like krista said i completely agree we need to focus on our identity within the church and if this is our identity at times we might need to retrain people and refocus people back to who to their true identity but it is a work and it's not a work that i um that i really envy pastors for they really have a deep work in teaching and 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 really bringing biblical truths to people regardless Regarding identity, I think this is a place where we haven't done. I have, I have not, in all the time that I have been in church, I can't remember a teaching where I sat under that was just about my biblical identity, my 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 identity in Christ. We should be talking about identity and. If you got a bad attitude toward the black person or if you have a bad attitude toward the white person, we might need to have other conversations with you. We've gone away from bringing people under church discipline when they are acting outside of the bounds and identity of being a Christian. We should get back to that and be like, look, this is the way that we participate and we do so because of these things. This is what doctrine says. This is what the church has historically believed. But we don't want to offend people. We we put it under joke and jest and all, oh, you know, that's just how they are. Oh, they just joking or, you know, all those things. And that's not correct. We're going to have to really lead people if we truly want to have um if we truly want to have unity within the body. I think that's so important because this is not a new problem. This is what I'm right? always trying to get people to understand. There are no new problems. My my old seminary professor, God bless him, Dr. Henry Holloman, uh taught uh theology of sanctification and he would had a saying 
There are no new heresies. There are just old heresies dressed up in spacesuits. These are not new problems. Race issues are not new problems. This is the same problem that the church has always had. There's always been a worldly way of thinking about one another. And what Christ calls us to is to sit next to each other in the pew, in the chair, in the household. And now we've got to be in life together. We've got to eat together Mm -hmm. and walk together and pray for each other. And then the the worldly way of thinking, if you have a, a prophetic pastor he should be preaching all that stuff. That's that's in the back seat now. Mm-hmm. Your identity as a as a Roman soldier that might be your job. Your identity as a prisoner that might be a, a, an this action and, yeah. and, and, a, and a, your current station. But that is not your core self. That is something supernatural has happened that unites us now. No matter we're rich or poor, no matter what our profession is. If you have a cop sitting next to you know, somebody who has um, is, is is recently out of prison. We're all in the same boat mm-hmm. and we've all got to walk together. And so emphasizing and reorganizing the entire human race based on melanin, besides the fact that it's utterly arbitrary, it's this is not a new problem. Mm-hmm. It, it The race, the melanin might be a new problem, but it has a direct analog to all of these other issues mm-hmm. that the church has already dealt with. Before we go further, I want to yeah. address Beth Patrick's comment. She says, isn't the indoctrination you spoke of earlier, isn't that coming from the move towards globalism? And isn't it time for nationalism opposed the lies of, say, that of the 1619 project, that version of history? Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts? on? I have a couple of thoughts. What are your thoughts on that? I'm not sure I understand the question. Okay. what I And, and Beth, you can write in the comments if I'm getting it wrong. But... What what I believe she's saying is that shouldn't we oppose um, like the 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 ways and the false history or the the narrative of sixteen nineteen uh-huh. and really stand for more nationalism and truth and probably the founding fathers as having some you know form of Christianity or something like that even though to me that's very contentious um, <laughs> but I mean. I, I'm not saying that they weren't Christian. I'm just saying that they were also very flawed and yeah. wicked. But I, I, for me, when when to me, I can't put nationalism over Christianity because my identity is first in the kingdom. My identity is first as a child of God. When we look at things like nationalism, what comes to mind for me, and again, Beth, if if I'm if I'm missing what you're saying, what comes to mind? For, then put in the in the comments. When I miss when I think of nationalism, I also think, well, you know, then we can wave the the flag in a church service or we which to me would be elevating our nationality or our nationalism over our kingdom culture yeah. or, or it could be the confederate flag or you know just a lot of different things that come to mind she Sorry. could she could be commenting on um the distribution of power which is more a, a question about government structures i don't really want to go down that path because that's going to take us down this whole other conversation um she said you got my thinking sure. okay yeah right. not not over christianity okay all right cool so yeah like i just I, I i think we have to ground ourselves first in in scripture and you know yeah like i i think we've both talked about um 
you know, the 1619 Project yeah. versus the 1776 Unites Project and things like that. And, um, you know, I, I definitely I have lived and traveled. I definitely wouldn't want to live anywhere else. <laughs> but the, I think that there's there's place for Christian our identity first being rooted there. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's interesting. Um, let's see. Where did that go? Oh, I really like this comment on YouTube from Mark Becerra. He says, like salvation, uh, unity is already established. You can't reconcile that which is already whole or unified, which I think is your point. Yes. Is And there's no reconciling the reconciled. We're already reconciled. Mm-hmm. Now, the question is, is how do we live that out? Yes. And so and, go ahead. Sorry. So the I think that the that's the natural next question is, is that, well, then why are we so divided? How do we come back together? And I've got some graphics here that Bob's going to pull up for us on different approaches to reconciliation. But we have to remember what side of the equal sign we're on. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like on this side of the equation, we're already reconciled. But yet we live in a cultural moment where people seem highly divided. Yeah. So what do we do about that? The question and, I ask is how do we walk in unity? Yeah. How do we walk the unity out? Yeah. You know, because um, unity is maybe a better word for it. Yeah. Like we are together. We are family. Like nothing's going to change that. Now, like I have I have siblings. And if I was not in communication with them, if I didn't love them, if I wasn't, um, you know, understanding what was happening with them and, and doing things with them, we would not be unified. Like like there's some things that we can do to be unified or to walk in unity with one another. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. Um. So Julie says, uh, I'm seeing a lot of this stuff from, it's on YouTube at, toward the bottom. I'm seeing a lot of this stuff from friends who have adopted children of a different race. And that's in the conversation right now we're having about this Supreme Court justice who has these two Haitian, Haitian children. children. Well, um, we'll and, for Haiti. And they're, <laughs> I'm half Haitian, so that's why people, that's all. And they're now um, leaving their churches because they say the church is quote unquote too white. Mm-hmm. You know, this whole interracial adoption mm-hmm. question. But, We've had quite a few, I would say, letters from, from yeah, that too. But our position is that once you are in Christ, adoption is one of the major motifs of salvation. Mm-hmm. And, and taking people from all these different nations and bringing them together into one family. God's calling the people out of the nations to come into one family. Yes. So human adoption across nations, yes. across ethnicities, is just, in in my theology, that, and I think this is biblical theology, is just a picture mm-hmm. of of how the Father relates to us. And so there's, to me, Christians, the theology of adoption in Christianity, that Christians ought to be adopt, that ought to be preaching, pastors ought to be bringing forward, is inter-ethnic adoption is not a problem because we are in Christ Mm -hmm. and it is when I adopt a child from another nationality, that is a type or a shadow or a picture of a heavenly reality Mm -hmm. uh, that, that the nations can now be one in Christ. Yeah. So that's kind of my theology of interracial adoption. Um, And it is sad to me that so many people are getting swept up in this. People are quoting me. That kind of scares me. Somebody made me a meme the other day. I'm like, I don't know. We're not, we're quoting me now. What are we doing? <laughs> okay. okay. So you were going to go to. Yeah, let's go to these uh, 
paths of rec- racial reconciliation. We got some graphics. Let's re- walk us through this one. What? What? I'm sorry. I got. I got taken off. <laughs> um, let's see. This is from what? your talk. Precisely because. I think you read the first part. You read the first part. You're acting like you've never seen Sorry. this before. I uh, Yeah, this passage, the passage below applies. This is from Jamar Tisby. He's yeah. the founder of The Witness. The passage below applies to many efforts we call racial reconciliation. Any reconciliation that does not unearth ugly truths about racism, that does not spend time in godly grief and lament, and that does not repair the historical damage done by white supremacy, is not worthy of the word reconciliation. Shallow efforts to diversify and befriend across the color line is, uh, sorry, befriend across the color line without a commensurate effort to bring about justice and equality are the equivalent of the false prophets whitewashing the truth and saying peace when there is no peace. Oh, okay. Yes. Sorry. I completely forgot about that. I was like, what you're, is you're this? having like a PTSD I'm, moment. What is, right this? what is this? I'm like, I've um, never seen this before. Sorry. Um, yeah, okay. So one of the things that I talked about is that Racial reconciliation definitely comes with a lot of works. And I think that's just a... Oh, you have a fellow Haitian on the... On the... Uh, on YouTube? On YouTube. Yakira. Hey! Yay! Yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry, I derailed yes. you. Yes. No, there's a lot of works that come with racial reconciliation. A lot. You know, in order... Okay, so in culture right now, I would say that there is... Back to my, my table... Um, I think that there's an idea that we don't people, know what the table is or who's there or why they're there, but okay. <laughs> Back to my point that we have this table that people are invited to come and sit at. And the thought is that black people or people of color are already at the table. We're waiting for white people You're to show up. waiting for the white people to show up. Yes. But do you know, there's a lot of work for y'all to do in order to get to the table. So again, like, like Tisby wrote in that, in that piece that I just read, there's all these things, you know, lament and grief and, you know, I wrote, I saw It's not another, enough for me just to have an interracial friendship. No, because there's, because in the words of Ibram Kendi, racism is always at play. It's just depending on who's like, are you aware of it? So I'm just innocently over out. here trying to be your friend, but I'm really oppressing st- me. I'm really oppressing I feel it. Okay. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Can I buy you a coffee? Reparations. <laughs> so again, but like Brian Loritz or um, yeah, in, in a piece that I read by Brian Loritz, he was talking about reparations and that re- um, reconciliation reparations are a small price to pay for reconciliation. It's these, there's a lot of things that have to happen in order for us to be able to get to reconciliation. But that's so not what scripture says. Scripture says we are reconciled. Yeah. All right. Let's walk, let's read another one. We got a few of these here. I want you to help us work through. Hopefully she'll remember the next one because I just took these from her talk. All right. Here's another one by Jamar Tisby. Uh, and he's he once again, he's the author of the book uh, Color of Compromise. Yes. People really think that if MLK were alive today, he'd just be preaching sermons on racial reconciliation. I hope not, especially not using that verse. And making vague statements about equality instead of showing up in Ferguson and Flint seeking progressive policies on health care and poverty and still pushing for voting rights. He's not your Negro was the hashtag. 
I, I don't know. But again, it's still it's still a work to be done. And why are we waiting for white people to do all the work? And Yakira just wrote in. She said, I feel like white people were were the first ones to show up at the table. Well, there's that. Depends on where this table is. Just tell me, where's the table? You at the table. Just sit down. <laughs> Stop it. Um, so there, there's this idea, again, that re- that reconciliation must be achieved through a, lot, a list of work. So we just went over some really rigorous study of scripture where we were told salvation is by faith, by grace. God's done all this, these things for us. And now we're reconciled where we're the wall of hostility has been broken. We're not to regard one another from a worldly point of view any longer. But now we have these Christian leaders telling us, no, there's all these things that you need to do. It, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. what side of the equal sign am I on here? So, all right, we got a few more of these. Let's, let's keep working our way because I think we're going to notice some, some uh, patterns. All right, Charlie Dates. Tell us who he is. Charlie Dates is a pastor in, gosh, Chicago, maybe? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure that there can be reconciliation without reparations. So I think you should give me $5 for our friendship. (laughs) I'm just going to put that out there. It's only worth $5. I'll take PayPal, Venmo, (laughs) or cash. Okay, let's go back. Let me finish it. Anybody serious about racial reconciliation has to likewise be serious about correcting the 250-plus year economic disadvantage inflicted upon black Americans. There's that. Yeah. What's the next one? This is from the Jude 3 Project. And Jamar Tisby um, and Charlie Dates are both highlighted quite frequently, I feel like, on Jude 3. Not only reconciliation, but also reparations, restoration, and repayment are central to the gospel. I just took that piece yeah. from that. Yes. The, these are, it's, and white people got to do all the work. I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> It's so sad. Because you're already at the table. Yeah. So there is a view because somebody, I think Leanne wrote, she was like, wow, I was thinking that, you know, all the white people were already at the table. There is that view too, like that, that people of color are um, prevented from being able to come into evangelicalism as speakers and authors and scholars and things like that. But then there's this this other view that I've had um, conversations with people on is that we've already done the work. We are the ones who are trying to get white people to join us in the conversation of being reconciled, that we're, yeah. we, we've put forth all this effort. We keep begging you to show up. I don't know that it's like that though. Like scripturally it's not like that. Yeah. Okay. And let's go to the next one on Facebook or on YouTube. No, this one. Oh, sorry. So this is from a blog post uh, that's actually been removed. This is a screen cap by Brian Loritz. He's on the board at Biola University. You're just going to put that out there, aren't you? Yeah, why not? And he's on the staff at J.D. Greer's church, mm-hmm. Summit Church. Yes, so this this blog post has since been removed. But it, it was his was case. replaced by a blog post that I actually did another blog based on. If you want to see that blog, go, go to the, the go myth to of reverse the, the myth of reverse racism. Yeah, that's the, all I'm gonna say on that. Your commentary on that. But this was a blog on reparations. It didn't last too long. It was only up for a week or so. But we got a screen cap of it, mm-hmm. and it kind of gives some insight into Brian Loritz's viewpoints. But it, you'll notice at the bottom there it says reparations is a small price to pay. For reconciliation. Is it not? Who are you asking? Because if you asking me, I'm going to say, no, get out my wallet. 
But I mean, and, uh, and when we talk about things like reparations, and we're not talking about reparations on the show, but when we when reparations come into play, it's never an exact amount. You know, it's always, you know, you take that whole thing with Lecrae and that guy from um, Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. You know, the guy w- wiped his shoes and he was like, now give me some stock. Again, it's it's insatiable because we're doing it ourselves. And there's always going to be somebody who's a little bit more hungry than somebody else. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think we have one more. This is from InterVarsity. Oh, Four steps that white people can take toward racial reconciliation. Because we are ready at the table. Because we white. Basically. And we, we're trying to get to the table. Yes. But see, white people think that what, what our job is, is we're supposed to be letting people of color get to the table. There's a lot of confusion about this table and who's there. Yes. I think that we might have two different tables in, in view. <laughs> Feeling yes. similar to the colorblind conversation. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's go back to that. So we got four steps. Awareness, recognition. White isn't always right. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Learn, um, learn to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. I yes. see that all the time now. All the time. What? That, that saying. Oh, yeah. really? Oh, yeah. Oh. That white people are supposed to just learn how to be uncomfortable, have people upset with them, tell them they're racist. But that's okay because we're supposed to oh, learn how like to. like be the bridge where you're yeah. supposed to allow people to cuss at you. Yeah. Kind of like that. I'm okay. sip my tea. Cause, <laughs> Next mm. one. Let's go to the next. number three. Risk. And relationship, it's okay to be hurt. It is okay to be hurt. It's it's okay. Like we hurt. Like this is this is we are human. And while I agree that it's okay to to hurt and to to say that you were hurt, why is this something for only white people? I don't understand that. Yeah. I, I don't I don't understand that. And I don't one, I don't I don't know if they're trying to imply that you should allow people to talk to you any kind of way. And it's okay that they do that and that you hurt because we have felt, you know, as people of color, we have felt our fair share of pain and hurt. So now it's your turn. That strikes me as a little bit of abusive retaliation, which is something that scripture sort of condemns. Yes. If if that's truly how it's being put forward. All right, let's go to the next one. All right. Caring about people means caring about the situations that they're in. Yeah, I mean, I I Uh agree with that. But why is that only for white people? Shouldn't everybody care about the situations that their brothers and sisters are in? I don't know. I don't know. Here's a whole. It wasn't here's... written to me, so I don't know. <laughs> it wasn't written. Here's a collage. Me. This is the last one. Here's some other steps. Know the truth. Embrace your racial identity. Confront your privilege or your oppression. Mm-hmm. Racial reconciliation isn't a goal; it's a way of life. Mm-hmm. It's constant self-sacrifice and self-giving. Count the cost. So, this, but this is all a bunch of works. Mm-hmm. And do you notice how, like, you could read "Be the Bridge" and "The Color of Compromise" and have two different lists yes. of what you need to do? So then you're like, which list do I do? And if you read "How to Be an Anti-Racist," all those books go out the window, and now you have a whole different list. Yeah. Yes. So, can I make a little comment theologically here? This wasn't in your talk. But but this, this right here, this mess of all these steps to re- racial reconciliation, this is the very definition of pharisaical legalism. Oh, that's ugly. And, and people talk about the law, and we talk a lot about the law, mm-hmm. because the law is, an, is, is a reflection of God's moral character. It's how we know how to be holy. Mm-hmm. So we don't, the law doesn't save us. 
but it does tell us information about the kind of character that God wants to build in us Mm -hmm. and how he wants us to live and conduct our lives. But this mess, this, this is the kind of thing that Jesus was fighting against. Man-made laws. Mm -hmm. That's what legalism is. Legalism is not about God's holy and righteous law. Go, go read scripture. I love your law. Mm-hmm. Mm. This legalism is not the law. Legalism is man-made laws. It's laws that people make up. It's an extra biblical holiness code. So, so the, the biblical law is treat people without partiality. Okay. Unless treat, they're white and then you can treat them. Well, well, just let me get the point across Sorry. before you start I was with just making sure. the, the goofball stuff. I was just making sure. All right. So the from a biblical point of view, the law is that we treat each other with the same weights and measures, that we treat each other equally and the same with dignity. So then we make up man-made laws to put a hedge around what we should be doing. So now in order to treat people equally... I have to do all of these extra laws in order to make sure that I'm treating people equally. But that is the very definition of legalism. That is the very definition of what Jesus was fighting against with the Pharisees. He wasn't saying the law doesn't apply to us anymore. He was saying these extra laws, these laws that hedge God's law Mm -hmm. were the problem. Yeah. And to me, this is what I call like the new holiness code. This is these things that people want to bind our consciences to and to say, these are the things you must do in order to be a holy person, to be a good person, a righteous person. You must do all of these things. But these things aren't in the Bible. Yeah. And so this is my fundamental problem with this is that, On this side of the equal sign, we are already reconciled. But then to solve a problem of what's happening in our culture, we make up a bunch of oppressive laws and try to bind people's consciences to them to accomplish something that's already been accomplished in Christ. If we could just figure out the mental space of walking in our real identity. So I don't know. That's that's kind of my thoughts about that. It's good thoughts. So, all right. Let's see. Let's go out to the comments. I'm going to look on Facebook. Oh, there was a comment I wanted to go to. Um, I don't know if I can find it back. It was on YouTube. Um. It was a little while ago, but somebody asked, why are we so obsessed with the sin of racism right now? Um, I'm an adult survivor of child abuse. My mental space is taken up by my own trauma. And now I'm asked to work on something I never partook in. And I think it's a fair point. Mm -hmm. Is it like we're we're obsessed with one sin now? You know, like there's there's a lot of other things that we could be looking at and, and talking about. So. Okay. Trying to see if there's any. There's the Facebook, current Facebook feed right there. 
Yes, legalism is man-made and many times about control. Yes. As long as you define legalism correctly. <laughs> because a lot of people think that the law is legalism and that's not mm. that's not how that works. So um we need the biblical holiness code. We need to understand justice from God's point of view. But what we don't need are these extra biblical laws and then binding people's conscience to that. Okay. Hopefully that's helping some people. I'm not sure I understand Jesse's question on YouTube. She's asking some questions about biological differences between racial groups. So I, I don't know if she's asking like. It refers to Jesse. I saw right before we got on the air, um, she sent over a, a DM. So oh. I think it's related to that, but we haven't okay. talked about it and I haven't actually read all of it, but I did oh, okay. see it. Okay. So maybe that'll be a separate conversation. I don't yeah. know what that is. So, okay. All right. All right. So is, let's go back to our question. Is racial reconciliation a thing? I would say no. In the words of Virgil Walker from the Just Thinking podcast, races don't reconcile, hearts do. Mm. Yes. So I like what you said. Uh, you had a slide that said you are reconciled. Mm-hmm. Preach it. Yes. Speak it. And live from that place. And live from that place. And to me, that is like some beautiful truth right there. How could things change in our relationships um, if we were to live from that place? All of us, mm -hmm. no matter what your ethnicity. Yeah. If we all live from the place of I am already reconciled to you. Um, can we look real quick at uh, go back to Ephesians and it, could you fast forward to Ephesians four? Ephesians chapter four? Yeah. I think this is a good place to land this part of the conversation here. Jeremy has a question. Question for okay. the both of you. How do we get believers to understand that the strife we see in culture is stirred up by Satan? He is influencing this. Tell them. Basically. <laughs> you got to just. It's got it. You have to. There's to, no magic formula for that. You got to just preach, preach the word, preach identity and tell them like this is a worldly way of thinking. Mm -hmm. um, don't be captured by worldly ways. Yeah. But it, again, it, it, it it really starts at growing people up yeah. in, in their faith. You know, Paul talks about, you know, drink, drinking the milk and um, eating the meat and, you know, we need to be on that meat. We need to be really teaching people and growing people in their faith to understand what do you believe? What does the scripture say? What is the, the, the proper doctrine so that people aren't swept away? Yeah. Um, but that is really going to take some, you know, some work and some time, some getting off of the, you know, just this one little topic, you know, or this, this cute sermon that makes everybody feel good and things like that, but really getting down to some hard stuff. Like you are, you are out of orthodoxy. Like, you know, we need to talk about this. Um, let's, that's let's, not easy. Let's look at Ephesians four. I think it's a good place to end the show. It says as a prisoner for the Lord, that I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. In other words, Live a life that reflects your identity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, that's what Paul is saying. This is just a couple of chapters later. And here's his, his plan. Here's God's plan. 
for how to live the reconciled life. Again, it's a very simple plan. Maybe not easy, but simple. All right, go back to it. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. For there is one body, one spirit, just as you are called to one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. That is God's plan Mm -hmm. for, for unity. You want to know how to keep the unity, walk in the unity. That's the plan. Be patient, be humble, walk in love. These are all personal righteousness issues. Mm -hmm. We don't need a program for that. We need to, put on and clothe ourselves with the fruit of the Holy Spirit and to live from the place that we are reconciled. And yeah, we have a messy history if we look at it from a racial point of view, but as Christians, how can we live from the place that we are reconciled already? Yeah. How can we not negate <laughs> The, the, the work of Christ on the cross. How do we make that and walk in that as a reality, as if it's a, a really real thing? So any, any final thoughts? No, I think you said it all. Okay. All righty. Okay. Um, we are, let's see. So we, have a, we had uh, oh, a, somebody yes. send us a surprise and we wanted to give a shout out and a thank you yes. to a viewer who two and um two they're viewers. actually on our prayer team yes um janelle davis and sarah gents and they sent us a bunch of stuff now i'm a coffee person and but i didn't have a coffee bean grinder and they sent a coffee bean grinder and i'm so excited and then they actually sent coffee beans i was like yay and so we did that. And then they sent over a bunch of tea because you drink tea. They figured and this out just from watching from the show. Just from watching the show. And then well, taking notes? a bunch of chocolate, like chocolate forever. Oh my gosh. One of them owns a chocolate. They're, they're chocolatiers. Yeah. yeah. And so, yes, we had a ton of chocolate. I'm gluten free. And so all of the chocolate is gluten free. You can see it. Um, so thoughtful. Yeah. So excited, so grateful. So thank you very much, Sarah and Janelle. We appreciate it. And we definitely appreciate the chocolate. I appreciate the coffee because I literally drink coffee all day long. Like, and we I'm appreciate not, the prayers. Yeah, caffeine. Yeah. Aff- impacted. So we appreciate their yes. prayers too. So very much so. And I also wanted to um, highlight a oh, resource yeah. because we're always getting asked like, what's a resource? What's a book I can put in people's hands? Uh, what can I share with my pastor? So I wanted to commend a book that uh, I guess this is a follower of the ministry and he had his publisher send us a complimentary copy. So I've been kind of working my way through it. But um, this is, I think, based on what I've read, um, would be a good selection to give to a pastor to work through the endorsements on the back are solid Um, everything I've read in the book is solid and really just kind of walking, uh, people through a compare and contrast of biblical justice versus social justice, Mm -hmm. 
very lay lay friendly mm-hmm. um but this is a an option for people to put in the hands of their pastors their elders their sunday school teachers or maybe even just yourself yeah if you're looking through this um it might be a great alternative for a small group discussion um uh, uh if if you're in a small group and you guys uh just read through the color of compromise this might be a a good follow-up of a of a different POV. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can go check that out and read the reviews on Amazon and really well reviewed. It has five stars, you know, yeah. it has a lot of reviews. So um, if you do get it, help the author out and be sure to write a review on Amazon. He's not a big name author. It's not a big name publisher. So help, help him out and help get his message out there because those, those reviews on Amazon really help the, their analytics. So be sure to write that review. So this is a, a, a great option. All right. Do we need to talk about whatever Jesse's talking about? Um, I'm not exactly sure. I'm not sure either. So I think it would help if we actually read her DM. Okay. All right. Oh, Caleb's right. jumping on. All right. So uh, that's it for tonight. Thank you all for watching. And uh, if you haven't yet, Uh, caught my live stream last week. I did kind of a state of the church live stream and talking about some observations that I'm having during COVID. And you can go check that out on the Theology Mom podcast. And um, yeah, just continuing the conversation with us on social media. So thank you very much. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to All The Things. Be sure to subscribe to our website at allthethingshow.com and find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, or wherever you stream your podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and the bell so you'll receive alerts when we post new shows. We'll see you next week.